So I just want to share really briefly, John, not this John, is going to be speaking today. I'm super excited to hear him. But I wanted to just show some pictures from our prayer walk the other week. Woo, yes. Some taken by Anna right here. Taken by everybody. Um, Just so you all know, if you didn't know, we did a prayer walk, and we're going to continue to do these. This isn't just a one-time event. And it's really because we're feeling led to really get into some serious prayer for how we can be missional in our community as a, as a body. And we know that it all starts with prayer. It is sustained by prayer. It never ends, right? Like this is just something that if we want to submit to what God is doing um, in our city and let him use us, we have to be people of prayer a church of prayer. It just has to happen. It's, it's lifelong. It's not for the next month. It's not for the next year. It's a lifelong journey with being people of prayer. And so these are just some pictures. These are, we broke up into teams and we had it for two nights. Um, and we basically just, yeah, whatever. We, we basically just uh, went around and we just prayed and we prayed and we did what Mike said earlier as we listened uh, to the Lord. So this was, uh, this was my group right here, I guess, on one of the nights. Uh, we had about 25 of us come, by the way, so over the course of a couple of nights, which is really awesome. Uh, that's a good person to walk with there, Jared. Jared and Will. I'm just going to flip through some of these. Anna's really excited about it, and I am too for her. That was a box that we saw with books. So we kind of went and checked it out. So that's what we were doing. I want to show a few of these pictures because we wanted to, we were observing things in the neighborhood as we prayed and we walked. We saw this down tree. Matt and I and uh, Seth went and knocked on the door, asked if we could take it, fix it up. And he said, no, he already has someone uh, coming. Uh, But it's okay. We got to meet him and we got to know his name and, and all that stuff. Yeah, we saw that. There were neighbors walking. We noticed that, some of the pets and different things like that. So uh, we just kind of, I figured a good shot of a couple dogs would get everyone excited. But then lastly, Jared had a beautiful picture of a sunset. Um, so <clears throat> um, I, you should hear this week, uh, I'll have Larissa send out an email for when the next time we're going to do this is. So excited about it. Selena, do you want to come up here? I asked Selena just to share how she felt about it really quick. Um, so you're not just hearing from me. Yeah, uh-oh. Look at all that I had to write it down because I use bad grammar if I talk without, <laughs> without it written down. Um, hello. I didn't want to come to the prayer walk. It's just not my thing. However, the Sunday before, Greg and John gave some compelling arguments that led me to the decision that I would give it a try. So we split up in groups, and I made sure to get with a group in which somebody else was in charge, Jared. So I didn't have to pray if I didn't want to. It ended up being a good experience. I was walking around the neighborhood with my friends, just observing. Uh, And we did pray. It felt kind of like a spiritual discipline, taking the time to look around and observe what is going on around us. And you never can go wrong praying out loud with others. So when we do it again, if you feel weird or uncomfortable, just come anyway and walk with me and we can feel weird and uncomfortable together. And I'm confident it will be a blessing for both of us. Have you seen me or people? I mean, you will be around weird and uncomfortable people the whole time. <laughs> does, I should, does someone feel led? Can we just really quick before John speaks, just someone pray a prayer for our community right here. Anyone here feel led? I could have asked someone ahead of time. It's probably what I should have done. Diane, thank you. All right. 
and then the king. Holy Father, first we just want to thank you for all the blessings that, that you give us. Blessings that most of the time we don't even ask for and sometimes don't even realize. Father, we live in, well, the word that comes to mind is a disturbed world. And it's happening right here in our, in our own yard. And um, there are so many needs out there. And I am convinced through many years of experience and just many years of living life that the real way to draw people to Jesus is to be Jesus. And we have a community right here um, that we all live in that has so many needs, Father. Um, we live in a diverse community of, um, of, of immigrants, some who are scared, some who are who feel unwelcome, some who don't know Jesus, or if they do know Jesus, or if they do know God, it's a it's a, an unusual <laughs> perception um, that they bring with them from their culture. Father, <clears throat> sometimes, not always, but Father. Um, I pray for those people. I pray that, that you bring um, us to them. Us to them. It's our job to go to them. I pray, Father, for um, people who are waiting outside our local hospital in cars so that they can FaceTime and be close by but not in the room with a relative who is probably dying of COVID right now. I pray that we um, are somehow a light for those people that are in that darkness right now. I pray for our leaders, and I pray for every country in the world that they may all experience your love and the benefits of your grace. And Father, that's just not going to happen without the body of Christ going out and doing what you have asked them to do, Father. I pray for any person um, in this room right now who is struggling with anger, struggling with fear, struggling with depression, but especially fear, because fear will kill you. I pray for those who are, are not comfortable. It took Selena a lot of it took a lot of courage for her to do what she did, Father. And just a lot of, just took a, took a little 
kicking the booty, all right? And Lord, just we, we, need, we need people to be willing to go out and do that. And um, the, biggest, the biggest hindrance is fear. Fear of what, what's going to happen? Who am I going to meet? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? You know what? All you have to do is just be nice. Be Jesus. And I just pray that every person is able to do that without fear and in a way that draws people to the light of God. Murfreesboro is a great place, Father. And we have an opportunity to make it better and to heal it. In Jesus' name, amen. During that prayer, there was something heavy on my heart, and I want to be faithful to share it with the church. And this is something we all know, but we need to be reminded of. A prayer of faith will move the mountains. A prayer of faith will heal the sick. A prayer of faith changes our world. If we could go ahead and put the slides up, Kyle. Senior moment, they're coming more and more frequently. Um, I want to take just a moment at the beginning to, to set a little bit of a background and some of the context. We're praying for breakthroughs. And today I especially want to focus on the power of agreement. Praying in agreement. Uh, there's a passage that we'll look at in a few moments that's quite familiar, I think, to many of us, where Jesus makes an incredible promise when we're praying in agreement. But I want to unpack a little bit what the context implies about what that entails. Uh, but before we get there, I, I want to think about this idea of being missional. And I want to share the next slide that has five uh, ways of becoming involved. Navigators is the organization that's developed this particular list. And it, it, it's very uh, powerful, encouraging, takes us deeper, thinking about being missional. And uh, hopefully you won't let number five scare you away uh, from personal involvement begins with information, and really that's a lot of what our prayer walking was about, to, to start becoming more conscious of the people who live around us, gaining some information. One, one guy's definition of prayer walking is it's praying on site with insights. Well, you have to gain those insights. And so the kinds of things we were looking for is yards that had lots of children's apparatus. You know, there, there's the uh, fenced-in trampoline for their safety. Like, they're never going to get higher than that fence, but that's, that's another issue. Uh, lots of tricycles and bicycles, and, you know, we noticed the tree down. I, I noticed that. I took that particular picture because anywhere I see a tree down anymore because I'm doing bowl turning, 
I, I slow down and look very carefully and wonder, is there a unique piece in there that I need to come back with my chainsaw and claim? I, I was personally very ready to go over and help uh, after John and you know, but the guy already had somebody lined up. I, I seriously, uh, it, it's become an addiction, so you all pray for me. Uh, but, but gaining information, uh, there, there are places where we can do some research. Uh, go to the Google, you know, the infamous uh, search place, and put in Joshua Project. It's a site that will give you some incredible information about a nation or a people group, if you're watching the news and you hear of some people group that piques your curiosity, go to Joshua Project and do some basic investigation about that people group, and, and they'll give you some incredible uh, information. Uh, international news sources, books, podcasts, uh, take the course Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. I mentioned books. Ask Greg for recommendations. He's a missions professor, folks. He can help you if you have a, a place of curiosity, of intrigue, with a good resource. Uh, make our brother earn his keep. Uh, it moves from investigation or of, of information to intercession. Uh, the prayer walks like we did. Um, I would encourage you to start developing a list of the names of people that anytime you're doing your own personal daily Bible reading and you run across a promise in God's Word, you pray that promise for the people on your list. Uh, the best definition, simple definition that I ever heard for prayer is it's pleading God's promises. And adapting that to intercession, it's pleading God's promises for others. And what a powerful thing intercession can be in that it transitions us from primarily being self-concerned to being focused on others. How can this promise of God become their reality? And then transition into involvement. Uh, recently at Raiders for Christ, they did their annual great giveaway where folks uh, in churches of Christ, especially who know about it, uh, made donations of things that students, international students, are coming with the things that they could put in one bag and get under that 50-pound weight limit to get to MTSU and now they're moving into apartments and they don't have anything. Well, the great giveaway that they have at the beginning of the fall semester, uh, they open up that, instead of a yard sale, it's, it's giving things to international students that can be a blessing to them. I'm sure they have a list of those students. What about inviting one or two of them into your home for a home-cooked meal? I know COVID's going on, uh, but I anticipate the university has some pretty strict requirements on vaccination. They have some protocols. There are ways to be safe. 
I read a report several years ago, I don't know if it's still true, I suspect it's even more likely true, that more than 80% of the international students are never, who come to the U.S. to go to school for four years are never invited into the home of a local person. What a shame. What a shame. I remember years ago when Rachel was in high school, she wanted to become an exchange student. We hosted two different girls for six weeks each, I think it was, from Germany. That, that was one level of involvement. But then when Rachel went to Germany, that, that, that's another level of involvement. Uh, there are some incredible ways to become more personally involved. And, and that takes us to that level of integration. Let it touch your life. Let, let it get into your wallet, into your living room. And number five that navigators suggest is investigation into the hard question. Lord, where would you want me to go? Now that's a scary one that a lot of us start off thinking about and we don't even want to go there so we'd rather not start but I encourage you to take some of those earlier steps even if you don't get to the level of number five next slide I want to introduce you to a, a gentleman his name is David Sneed he lives in New Orleans uh, he's a prayer warrior uh, I, I met David through my good friend Jacob Crawford uh, a uh, recent doctor, Jacob Crawford, he was a student at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, planted a church, led that church for about 13 years, and then two years ago moved to New Orleans to finish up his doctorate and to start outreach to guys who had gotten their master's degree in a large prison there through an extension cluster that New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary was hosting. Guys who had been in prison for life thought they would never get out. And one of the guys that Jacob introduced me to one of my two trips down to New Orleans, his case was what opened up some of those old cases and these guys were released who thought they would never be released. And now Jacob was hoping to connect with them and train them and involve them in disciple-making ministry there in New Orleans. He started going, Jacob started going to a local church and met David, and people kept saying, he's a prayer warrior. So Jacob invited David to go with him, and they went through lots of the area of the city and David had an incredible heart of passion for the homeless. And I don't know if you've ever been in New Orleans or spent much time there, but they have a lot of uh, interstate and major highways with bridges that are going over lots of little side streets. Well, there's a section where close to a thousand people live in under those bridges in homeless encampments. 
And Jacob and David have started Discovery Bible studies in those homeless encampments. David lives in a 17-floor high-rise apartment building in New Orleans uh, that's designated for senior citizens only. And through his uh, time with Jacob, eventually started a Discovery Bible study there in the apartment where he lives. And there was one lady who already knew that he was a spiritual guy and she didn't like him. She argued with him. She fussed at him. She griped and complained any chance she got. And David was faithful to continue to pray for her and he kept inviting her. And she finally came to the Bible study wanting to pick a fight. And she was so taken with the process that she didn't. But she kept coming back, and uh, a few months ago, she professed faith in Jesus because of what happened in that community of people gathering around God's Word and listening to it and sharing what they were hearing and their efforts to try to live it out. Uh, David prays for more than 2,000 people a day in his own personal private time. I picked David out of many other options because he's a guy here in the U.S. He's retired. He has health issues, thus the cane. He has all the excuses But he has a, a passion for Jesus' name being known. I knew I wouldn't remember it, and I really intended to say something to Kyle earlier. There was one of the songs that talks about the, the glory of his name. The righteousness of God being, you know, God's, Jesus' glory being our passion. What is it that is your burning passion? Okay, that's more on the personal side, individual side. Let's look at this passage in Matthew chapter 18 that was announced and think about praying in agreement. Now, usually, when we get to the promise, we disconnect it from the context. And I want to push back against that a bit. And I want to encourage you to, to think about this as a whole. Uh, I've said about this first part that I think it may be one of the most disobeyed commands of all of Jesus. Maybe disregarded would be a fairer way of putting it, but it's ultimately disobedience. If your brother or sister sins, Jesus is speaking, go to them and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two 
others along. So that, and then there's a quote, every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And, and that's a biblical refrain that appears a number of times in the Old Testament. Here Jesus speaks it and later Paul references it in his writing to the Corinthian church. It, it's an interesting study to, to do. It appears first in a legal context. Uh, the judges of Israel were not to convict someone on the basis solely of one person testifying against another person because of the, the risk of deception, of, of lying, false witness, being so strong. And, and so at the mouth of two or three, let everything be made sure or be established. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I hate to confess that as I grew up, I really thought that means you treat them really badly. This is giving you permission to just disrespect them. Well, is that how Jesus taught pagans? Tax collectors? I mean, Jesus, you know, he, he's walking along, and Zacchaeus, that short guy's up the tree, and, and he says, come down, I'm going to your house. Well, the, the upright folks got upset because of how he treated tax collectors. So when you think about Jesus' own example with regard to this, you know, there, there's a need to win them back. Not out and out, reject them. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. This issue of dealing with broken or damaged relationships becomes very critical when you think about this promise. When we're allowing an outstanding sin to break relationship, we can't pray in agreement. I'm going to date myself with this illustration. Uh, when, when I was a kid, especially with my grandparents because of everything that was lost with my mom leaving, uh, we were poor. We were poorer than we realized. We literally lived on the other side of the tracks. And I remember one year, one of us got this wind-up toy that when you wound it up and it ran into a wall, it would back up and it would run into the wall and it would back up a little bit and it would run into the wall and then it would stop. You know, it had about three run-ins there. But it was like it, it was never going anywhere else. It, it, it was stuck there. Other than the Palmer crew and, and David's family, I think Deborah and I have probably been here longer, my, my brother Mark, than any of the rest of you. You know, they all are all 
Johnny come lately. You, you've been here less than Deborah and I have. Not that that's bragging rights. It's just we're stubborn and we stick around. You, you're like an old pity, you can't get rid of them, you know. In this history of being a part of Stones River and trying to be a part of the leadership team, I, I must confess there have been a number of times that we've hit on issues that emotionally, spiritually, it's felt a lot like that toy. We had the, the, the discussion years ago about the Holy Spirit and how he was working, and it's like God was not going to let us go. Until we, we got this right, whatever that means. And relationships are that way, or they're destroyed. You know, you, you pull a bonehead situation, your wife's going to keep bringing it up until you deal with it, guys. Am I right, girls? <laughs> there are things we just cannot do and say to one another and go on and pretend that nothing ever happened. They're, they're too impactful to the relationship. And, and Jesus isn't saying just get over it or ignore it and go on. He's saying deal with it. Lest it prevent us experiencing something of God's promise for us as a family, as a community of faith. I didn't look it up. Is it Peter that has that strange section where he talks about husbands and wives agreeing lest it hinder their prayers? No? Yeah, yeah. It's either first or second Peter. First uh, Peter, chapter five, I think, four or five, somewhere in there, where he's talking about these different kinds of relationships. And it's almost as an aside, you know, lest it hinder their prayers. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. There's an issue about, you know, we're not going to pray in agreement when we're, when we're unhappy, discomfortable with one another. There's a significant part of prayer in, in the kingdom of heaven that's communal. And if it's not, we're missing out on something rich God has for us. I, I work with an incredibly godly man uh, on the board of Final Command named Claude King. We got the same last name, and to the best I can tell, we're, we're not related. Uh, there, there were lots of peasants in Europe who worked for the kings, and because they were the kings this or that or the other, their name eventually, last name, got shortened to King. And I, I guess we came from one of those. We're, we're kin back through Noah, you know, on back to Adam for sure. Uh, but he's an incredible godly man. 
And prayer is one of his passions. But Claude had prepared this chart based on some writings or connected with some writings by T.W. Hunt. Uh, Growing Disciples, Pray in Faith, a chart. Uh, Claude's really good. He co-authored Experiencing God with Henry Blackaby about 30 years ago. And the workbook is largely Claude's efforts to take some of Henry's teaching and help ordinary people really grasp it and begin to implement it. Highly recommend it. But he said, you know, when we're out of agreement with God, this number one up here, you know, there's sin of unbelief or wrong motives. It it can block our relationship with him. When we're in agreement with God, there's this, you know, we're speaking to him. He's speaking to us. We're listening. Uh, There's a connection. There's an alignment. When we're out of agreement with others, pride, sin, broken relationships uh, are a barrier. Uh, When we're in agreement, number four, then there's this alignment once again. And, And when we're agreeing with each other and praying to God in agreement, God's desire is right there in the center. It's me, you, other believers listening to God's heart. Lifting up our request in alignment with that. And Claude shares with this last three, seven, eight, nine, his mental picture. Praying in that kind of context. It's like God gives different ones of us different pieces of the puzzle. And when you only have one or two pieces, a lot of times it doesn't make much sense. Look at number seven. That, that's my understanding of God's will, God's purposes for our family or for our church. You know, when you get together with your small group, it might be possible to understand more of this. But collectively... When we learn to really listen well to one another and reflect on what we're each sharing, we're much more likely to get a clearer picture of God's will, God's desire for us as a community. I wish I'd spent time with Claude on this about 15, 20 years ago. One of my great frustrations when I was in the preaching role with Stones River is there were a lot of folks who looked at me as the leader out front, and John, you need to know what, you know, what, where are we supposed to be going? What are we supposed to be doing? You know, you're the leader. You got to be hearing from God. There were times I wasn't. Maybe some of those outstanding issues were a part of it, and I just didn't understand it, you know. 
maybe we were divided and fractured and we didn't trust each other well enough to listen. Or we assume one person gets it all and our problem's him or her. If they'd just get it together, all this trouble would go away. What time is it? How much time do I have? Somebody that's a clock. I want to read through some of an email. There's a couple that Final Command, they work with us. Uh, He's from a Middle Eastern country that I won't name because of security issues. Our service is recorded and put up on podcasts. It's not likely anybody that matters would ever hear it, but uh, in this political context, but I just don't even want to take a risk. Uh, His now wife was a missionary there. He he was already a believer when she was there. Uh, They can't live in the country. She's got an American passport. He's got a passport from that country. And to be honest, when they started, when they got ready to get married, there was only one country, and it was a weird one in Asia, that would let them have a visa to come in and get married uh, because of the politics of our world. And right after they got married, they were together for a while. He went back home to do some work for the kingdom. She came back to the U.S. They were thinking they were going to be able to go back. And COVID happened. And so they spent 15 months, just two months after they got married, on two different continents. Couldn't be together. So we were finally able to get them a visa into an African nation. They stayed, stayed there for a while and some disruptions happened. They had to leave. They went to another Middle Eastern country where they could get a 30 day emergency visa. And they were hoping to get into a different country that they had some connections with and we started praying during Ramadan for them that we would hear from God God where do you want we'll use the names Mark and Tara for them pseudonyms you understand every Saturday morning from 7 to 8 there's a group of us have been praying for Mark and Tara since the start of Ramadan to hear from God Uh, last week, not, not yesterday, but the week before, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight of us in prayer. But one of the ladies opened our time in prayer. She prayed, we come to you, Father, because you are God and we are not. You've not left us alone. We're able to journey with you. You open our eyes and ears. Help us uh, to place all of our concerns behind us, we come before you. Another lady prayed that, like uh, this first lady had prayed the week before when she went to Acts. One of the things that we try to do, somebody takes notes, obviously. 
when, when you're praying to hear from God as a group. Somebody needs to take notes. It's very important. And record passages that have God's been placing on our heart. Thoughts, insights, visions, dreams, uh, feelings, and then something of the prayers that we're praying spontaneously. Uh, the week before, in, in Acts 19, Paul met Apollos and asked the 12 that he met there if, if, if they'd received the Holy Spirit since they believed. They said they had not. They received the baptism of John, a baptism of repentance. So Paul prayed and they received the Holy Spirit. Uh, she prayed and confirmed that you, Father, are working things out. Mark and Tara's marriage is strengthened by this time together that they will need for what they will face in the future. They got that 30-day visa. They got another 30-day visa. They got another 30-day visa. And the last time they went, thinking they were going to get another 30-day visa, they got a 90-day visa. And in the meantime, this other Middle Eastern country that they thought was where they were going to get to go to, the door closed for sure. That happened a few weeks earlier. So a, a little more of the context. Uh, one of the ladies was praying that their marriage is being strengthened through all of these difficulties. They're together. We praise God for that. But they're going through some hard times of not knowing, and, and we're trusting that he's strengthening them for whatever's coming in the future. Uh, they're being patient. We're praying for a particular city in the country where they are now. It's strategically close to the, the homeland of the husband. It looks good to our eyes, but you have to be the one who opens the doors. They need your protection. I see doors opening, light is shining, hearts are being prepared. And, and then James, one of my teammates, prayed or shared about an Old Testament when an Israelite was married they didn't have to go to war for a year. It's been almost a year that Mark and Tara have been able to be together after COVID. Uh, so we're praising him for his provision. Uh, one of our guys, Bob, referenced Psalm 136, which after every single circumstance, the refrain is, for his mercy endures forever. And Bob said we could utter this with all the circumstances that we've seen in Mark and Tara's life. And so James, our secretary, our scribe, took the liberty of doing that. And this is what I especially want to share with you. This is a couple wanting a place to settle down, wanting to make sure it's God's heart, God's place. For them, for their work, for the spread of the kingdom. Tara felt called to serve in this city where she met Mark. For God's mercy endures forever. Mark had been patiently looking for a wife because there were so few Christian women. women for God's mercy endures forever. Their journey involved separation from one another by COVID for His mercy endures forever. 
but they reconnected in Djibouti for his mercy endures forever. Then they had a season in Ethiopia for his mercy endures forever. And then the 30-day visa opened in this particular country for God's mercy endures forever. Then there was another 30 days. God's mercy endures forever. And another 30 days for his mercy endures forever. This became 90 days for his mercy endures forever. They became connected with a businessman for his mercy endures forever. And then two business coaches came to our recent retreat and started praying for another teammate of Tara's. Didn't know about Mark and Tara. Praying for Jen, a teammate, former teammate with Tara. And since the Holy Spirit compelling him to pray in a particular way, that felt odd. But he did it anyway. Thank you, Selena, for doing it anyway. Stephen and Michael found out about the plight of this couple. God's mercy endures forever. We feel compelled to pray about coffee somehow. For God's mercy endures forever. This particular city has come across our prayers for his mercy endures forever. Father, you've been true to your word. Your faithfulness endures. You do not struggle in the race. This is a time for them to be more united in their marriage. You've answered that prayer, the confirmation of the Macedonia call. I heard that even before James prayed it. That's what Bob had said. When you read through the book of Acts in Paul's journeys, there's this one situation on the second missionary journey when, when he leaves Antioch and he's traveling and he's thinking he's going to go over into Asia. And Luke says the Holy Spirit prevented it. So he, he can't go to the west, so he's going to go to the east up into Bithynia and the Holy Spirit forbade it. Now, those are some frustrating times when you're seeking God's heart and every good idea you come up with, he closes a door. What do you do then? My friend Claude King would say you'd do whatever the last thing you heard clearly from God was. Until you hear something differently, you keep doing whatever you know for a surety God called you to do. And so Paul kept moving toward the north. He gets to the coast, and it's there that he has that dream where somebody in Macedonia says, come on over here. And when they do, there's a place where work opens up and God blesses it with abundance. Praying in agreement isn't magical. It's not an open sesame formula. It's a wrestling in relationship. 
It's bringing our strange, bizarre pieces to the group and offering them for evaluation, consideration, and sometimes spinning around, and maybe they fit in some other way. And sometimes they're things that don't fit. But we have to become daring enough to act on our trust that God's working. Despite our frailties, despite how difficult it is for us to stay focused. Uh, a newsletter from a missionary uh, couple that work in, in North Africa uh, quoted a, a, a guy on prayer and said, you know, the great problem with prayer is staying focused. Our minds wander. And don't, don't feel guilty about that. There's sometimes on those rabbit trails, God speaks. He impresses us. He gets our attention. But we can't let them run so far that we, we don't ever come back. To the point that we're in community. It's not just about me and my relationship with God. It's about us in relationship with our Father. I have one more slide, and before we go there, I want to—I I don't want to end on a downer. But there's some news about David's need that I need to share with you. The next slide. They found David dead Friday morning. About 1040, Jacob sent me a text and he said, my heart's breaking. David and other residents rode out the hurricane. Their building was built to the level it wasn't you know, life risking, but the problem isn't just the wind. Usually for folks like this, it's how long the electricity is going to be off. Will drinking water be available? Tuesday or Wednesday, some of the folks from the church that had evacuated got back and they went and checked on David. And they found out that the emergency uh, generator had stopped working a few days earlier. And in the excruciating heat, with only one window in his small apartment that he could open, David was just in a pool of his own sweat. They got him water. He was down to his last meal. They got him food. Had to walk up 12 flights of stairs to get there because none of the elevators were working, no electricity. And then he died on Friday. Praying in agreement isn't a guarantee that everything in this life is going to just fall into place. Those don't exist. 
short of Jesus' return and his transformation of this world, brokenness, loss, death, depression, difficulty, those are our lot. But together we can come through these things far better than left alone. Will you pray with me? Father, I lift up David Sneed's family. I pray your grace will be upon them. I pray when they think of him, it won't be about the tragic time of his death. It'll be about your incredible love. It'll be those precious memories of him praying hours and hours for people to know Jesus. I, I pray it'll be for memories of him starting a discovery group and people coming to faith. Lord, I lift up Jacob and others on the team who are experiencing such a feeling of loss. And I ask that you, Holy Spirit, will wrap your arms around them and give them comfort and courage and strength. And Lord, I pray that there will be many more seniors who instead of feeling limited, recognize that intercession is one thing we can always do. And that David's legacy will be multiplied over and over and over again. Father, protect us from our cultural temptation toward individualism, toward isolation and loneliness. Bind us together as a kingdom force, a kingdom community, people who truly pray in agreement so that we can hear your heart and go forward with confidence that you're speaking not through any one of us, but through all of us together. Father, speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus we pray. Let all who agree say amen.